Hey friends, and welcome back to The Sandwich, hosted by me, Amanda Muse. As you can tell from the episode title, Dean and I are going to be challenging gender roles. We're going to be having a discussion around, you know, the concept of a breadwinner and what it means to earn and provide for your family. And, you know, does that change if you are, you know, the male or the female? What about different family models? Like how how are we having these conversations? We're also going to be joined later on in the episode by two guests. And I have to admit, when you get to that part, you're going to hear me like learn a few things. And uh, that's always enjoyable when you get to switch up your perspective a bit. All right, without further ado, let's jump into it. A big thanks to our sponsor for today's episode, Country Harvest. They are recognizing all breadwinners by challenging stale ideas. Research showed there's a persistent underlying expectation for women to be nurturers and men to make money. And the problem is this. This limits people's potential and doesn't reflect the true diversity of Canada. When we celebrate all the ways there are to support a household, it empowers everyone to feel proud of their contributions and make the most of each day. Since Country Harvest's motto is to help people grab life by the grains, that's exactly what they're trying to do. Today, we'll be talking to some of the people featured in their podcasts, which you can listen to at meetthebreadwinners.ca. Hi, Dean. Hi. Welcome. You just saw me, but thanks. Yes, I see you all the time. Every day. Ah, well, not always, because sometimes you're away working. Bringing home the bacon. Yeah, I like bacon. Or steak or whatever. Whatever. Tuna. Broccoli. Yeah, broccoli. If you All good things. So I'm pretty excited to jump into this episode today because we tend to have this conversation about like the finances and relationships and roles within our house. And lately there's been a whole lot of stuff happening in our lives, like buying a house and just buying a house is Another, a lot. Uh, <laughs> that was a lot. Jeez, that's, uh, yeah, you said it all right there. Well, thanks for tuning in. We just... Ah, but... Yeah, there's a lot of money that gets thrown around when you buy a house. Yeah. And you move and you buy stuff and you sell stuff and you spend more money and it's not like it's not like we heard it was. No, and then you got to like feed people, make meals, clothe them. Yeah, it costs Go to work at the same time. Costs some things. Lately, I haven't done we bought this house, this 80s house, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Mhm. And you have your own office, which is awesome. I love it. I know you do. It's just like, it's a really cool office. Sometime you're going to have to do a whole thing on your office. When it doesn't look like this, I will do an office tour. <laughs> yeah. When it gets a window. Anyway. Well, we on. got popcorn ceiling and two skim coat over and we mm-hmm. have painting and we have plumbing and we have a bathroom reno and we have this, that and the other thing. And we have tons of stuff in the backyard. We oh have a huge God, backyard. Yeah. And they have a compost pile that needs to be liquidated because they're not composting it for any other reason other right. than to just throw stuff there. But anyway, because I'm working a lot and getting single days off between my flights, nothing's going on. We're no. just, we're just, this is just, the whole train has stopped. It has. Well, and it's, fun. you know, at first 
So you buy a house and there's all these little things that you have to do. And yes, everything costs money for sure. But then there's also the other, you know, the other element of what we have to do, like you still have to sort of exist as a family and do semi-fun things because it's summer and the kids are off school and then have quiet time with them. And there's a lot of like things that you're juggling, right? Yeah. And I, I think, think they called it my day. What? Home economics. Like, yeah, you know, cooking and running the household uh-huh. and taking care of the children. And I don't know what they call it now existing i don't know yeah what do they i think call it's it? just called existing real life so well actually that's a pretty good point because traditionally that nurturer kind of role would fall to the women and the earning side of things would fall to the men right yeah traditionally that well i was looking up the word breadwinner online yeah. because it's a term used so often and for so long mm-hmm. and in my own family my father was the breadwinner but then my mom went to work, you know, and my mom was a hairdresser and also worked in a pharmacy. And that was later on when the when we were old enough to fend for ourselves because I was one of these latchkey kids that uh, we went home to empty houses after school. Right. Because mom and dad both worked. But dad did cook breakfast and do that stuff on Saturdays or Sundays, sorry. Right. But mom was like working a job. Coming home and working another job. Yeah. Laundry, ironing. Oi. Yeah. Right. And so it's interesting you bring that up because it's true. Like there can be, and you know, we'll talk about it in a second here, but like there's a lot of mixed feelings around people who are the stay-at-home partner, the stay-at-home parent, and you know, how are they contributing? You may not be able to touch it in the sense of like, you don't have those dollar bills in your hand that you're smacking down on the table, but you are providing energy and love and cleaning and cooking and all the things that are required to like manage the home, right? right. So your mom did that for how long? That's amazing. She still does it. She still, yeah, she does. She's in her 80s. She does it. She's not in her 80s yet. Or her, approaching her 80s. She listens to this. She's going to give you a smack. <laughs> Listen, I did... <laughs> I meant to say approaching her 80s. Sorry, She's in her 70s. Sorry, Bob. But yeah, so I think what's interesting now is that doesn't matter gender anymore. It's just like we're all contributing partners to the household in order to provide our families with the best life if we have children to get them doing all their fun extracurriculars, all the adventures they want to go on. And so I like, you know... I myself have used that term breadwinner and I think it's time it's time to switch it and start using the word like earner. You're you're who's the primary earner necessarily like at this time? Because like you said, there was a point where it was just your dad for a bit and then mom went back to work. So what was she like? You know what I mean? Like she was contributing financially and it's something to be proud of, right? But I don't think that there was any significant amount of cash coming her way. You know, dad was the primary earner. The primary earner. Yeah, totally. But, you know, when you th- you could bring up the word earn, you know, what are you earning? Earning is to get something mm-hmm. that you've, that you, is you rightfully worked for. And you could even use something like, you know, um, you could use the word family earn, uh, you know, just to make up something off the top of my head. How about instead of calling breadwinner or earner, how about a family uh, su- supporter or, right? you know, because, contributing you're contributing because, right yeah because we've we've all seen now that with society how 
we're learning it's so important to whether you're uh, you know the person that's going out to a brick and mortar and uh has a desk or you're a worker you know you're doing a your custodian whatever you're doing going out into the world and earning money and bring it home the other person that's at home that's raising the child or keeping the house together or like yourself you work out of the home uh earning money uh, we're all contributing to the family totally well here so i want to drop family supporter i want to yeah. drop some stats for you because i think Old sometimes stats. that like when we tend to be like, yeah, we're very forward thinking and like, yeah, everyone's in earning and blah, blah, blah. But I don't think it's that way everywhere. So here's here's some fun stats here. 60% of Canadians think the term breadwinner is masculine. That's a lot. That's a lot. In this times? Is yeah. It, how old are these statistics? Oh, this is a recent study. Wild. Wow, I wouldn't have thought that high. I know. I myself have used the term breadwinner to say, but I would say like primary breadwinner. I don't know that I would necessarily, like right now I'd say, yeah, I think it's a masculine word and yet still I've been using it. So I kind of need to like switch it up a little bit for myself. Okay, but here's some more stats. 37% of women feel pressure to uphold traditional gender roles at home. 37%. Yeah, that's a lot as well. But you know what? People could be comforted by that, that they, that's the way they saw their mother, the role they, their mother had, and right. they want to continue that. I don't know. I don't have any... Hold on. I got more more stats. Yeah. Then we'll sh- we shall discuss. Okay. 25% of single men think that women should do the majority of childcare. P.S. Like maybe that's why they're single. <laughs> I would have said higher than 25%. <laughs> Actually, I have to admit, 25%, I'm happy that that's a lower number. Because I feel like people are coming around to the fact that, hey, takes more than one, takes a whole ton of people to raise good children, you know? Yeah, it does, for sure. Yeah. A couple more, 43% of single women have experienced gender-based assumptions about their income. I think that's pretty accurate. You mean that their income would be lower because they're a woman? Or- well... Gender-based assumptions about their income. What I gather from that is how my personal experience when I tell people that I'm a content creator and they're like, what's that? And I'm like a YouTuber and they're like, oh, you blog? They think I blog for like in exchange for, I don't know, backpacks or something. And it's like, no. Yeah. You know, like it's assuming perhaps because of my gender that I make less. Or that you don't have the quote unquote real job right yeah because you know there is it's interesting because there is a lot of people that have done things like that we have a friend jessica who'd had a chocolate business yeah and and doing things out of your home you know it's funny that years ago we were hearing a lot about this home-based business and you wonder if the things that you see online are real or they're just people just throw them out there because you know if if i left my job said hey hey dean what are you doing well it's i'm making it's dean sauerkraut i'm making sauerkraut oh all my day god that sounds like the oh best my, actually, job that's a great ever idea. that's a great idea dean. yeah they, they would go oh what were you doing before well i was a i was an airline pilot before so you took a significant pay cut did you yeah and actually that's not the case 
some of these home-based businesses are making big dollars. Cha-ching. I have an old friend making mustard oh my out God, west. Yes. They've they've been doing it for 15, 20 years, whatever. They've bought houses on it and they support uh, a family on it. Right. Okay. So interesting, so, this gender-based assumption. Yeah. If it was a female friend doing that, I wonder how people may be, oh, she's just at home making mustard. Good point. So we have these assumptions about genders, not just the role at home, but also the role outside of the home if they were both working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how we accept what, you know, Buddy's promoting a vodka, she's promoting an app, whatever the case may be. But you think about way back when, when my mom mm-hmm. left the home to go out and cut hair, which mom did her whole life. She was a hairdresser. At the time, there probably was from the other side, you know, for the women that stayed at home, a little bit of animosity saying, you know, why do, why are you doing that? You know, why why are you leaving the home? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's very... Constantly judging. Honestly. It still happens do... today. And I think that's why these conversations are so important yeah. because, oh yeah, well, one more, one more statistic is that 26% of men say they do the majority of the housework. I like it. Only 26? 26 now. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, would I know. You, would you agree with that number? Well, I only live with one of the men. <laughs> and I don't listen, think you were part of this study. Listen, lady. <laughs> uh, okay, here's the thing. I think that you and I, I think we do a pretty good job of this, to be honest. I think that you and I are like workers. Case in point, when we decided to sell our other house, prep it, get it ready for, you know, for viewings and then move. Mm-hmm. When there's a task in front of us, it gets done. Furthermore, we divvy it up based on, like if there's an option where somebody has to remove the popcorn ceiling and somebody has to do the laundry, guess what? My skills are not removing popcorn ceiling. So I'm going to do the laundry and you do the DIY thing. So like, and we're pretty much like divide and conquer. I think we've got a pretty good handle on that. But also I think our family dynamic is such that sometimes I am solo parenting and I have to do whatever is in front of me. Like dispose of a dead bird in the backyard which was traumatizing but like pretty scary i don't like it as may laugh for 10 minutes as i screamed it's fine with your wild desert dog jeez i know but you know like you just do what has to be done Mm -hmm. in the winter you tease me when i'm the one doing like all the shoveling because i love being outside you know i don't sit there and go na 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 (laughs) don't don't think that that's i'm not teasing you no i'm just i sit back in awe because you're like, you know it's You're snowing. You're both the only person I met and probably the only person that exists. Well, not the only person that exists, but you just love to shovel snow. Right. And I can't figure that out. And I'm standing well, in the picture window <laughs> with my coffee with this perplexed look like, what are you doing? And you're, you're smiling and you're throwing snow around. Hey, and then, you know, the neighbor, a few neighbors are across the street and somebody will come by with a snowblower and you'll be like, hey, Easy. get that snowblower out of Steve, here. back up. Back up, Steve. Oh, I got my eye on a snowblower for this year because I got a big driveway. Are we just are we just meandering all over the we place? We are. Subject but here's because, the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. How many of the women are outside doing that? You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand why it's a gender role. It seems weird to me. Oh, to shovel snow? Yeah. That's true, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's kind of weird. But you only have to sit down to watch these, you know, like Europe... Uh, uh, 
Christmas vacation, you know, the National Lampoon's Christmas vacation. And right. the men are sitting in the living room sipping cognac and the women are making the turkey and stuffing and stuff. That's how I grew up. I'm going to bring something up that's a little controversial. You ready? No. Why? I'm ready. Do I have to do the cooking if I don't like it? You just opened up a can of worms. <laughs> we got into this big scrap years ago like last week maybe or no 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 this was years ago okay when we came back from overseas right because overseas we just used to i mean it was different people just eat out all the time because it's so cheap right and when you cook some at home remember we it would be more expensive to prepare a a lot at home (laughs) for my friend ian and his wife was thai oh yeah and and like we put this down in front of, and and there was a, there, anyway, there's people different cultural uh, people of different culture at the table. Yeah, yeah. So we cooked this turkey with stuffing and cranberry and the whole bit. And we put this down on the table. You had just had a baby. You just had just had Esme. I did. And I think I just remember looking over and and the look on some of the people's face was that like the British guy was there. He's like, "This is awesome." Yeah. And then the Thai person there is like, "This what has is no this? taste at all." <laughs> you know. <laughs> This is just fat and grease and cranberry juice. Oh my God, I love it. But yeah, totally traditional. I don't blame you that you don't like to cook. But I think that, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, just like the husband or in the traditional role, the breadwinner goes out and earns the money and comes home. and The of, wife is supposed to like to cook. The wife is supposed to like to cook. But I don't like it. And, and also, you know, the, the breadwinner w- would say to the, to the wife, you know, like... Um, you know, hey, is that a new dress? How much was that? Uh, it was this much. Okay, honey. Ugh. Thank God those times are done. But right. I'm, but, but I'm sure but, maybe but in the, some whole on the, on the other yeah. side of it, too, yeah. is that, you know, I do kind of appreciate when, you know, you have your sweet and sour meatballs made in the fridge. Oh, yeah. When I come home at like Well, tonight I made a nice soup. And that was like a delicious soup. And some chicken. What kind of what? That was a butternut squash it soup. Was delicious, it was delicious, yeah. So... I suppose what I'm thinking is like, but it's not important. What I'm what I'm saying is that it's not the cooking that's important, is it? No, it's it's the consideration. Exactly, it's, it's the, the contribution, cons- it's the contribution to the family. So the rules got to be pretty lax in our, in our in our family. Uh, you know that I love to cook. Oh, you're like, see, I like to do. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make a meatloaf or I'll make a spaghetti sauce. Like yeah. I like to do the basics because I'm like, I got this because I don't have a passion for cooking like you do where meanwhile you're making like the demi glaze thing or whatever you just made that was delicious. And and I think perhaps this is where, because I'm in my mind, I'm trying to like build this case why I don't have to cook. But the fact is, is you are away at times and we do share the load of the family in sort of all the angles, right? Whether it comes to parenting, if it comes to like, you know, you, you, you know, if there's, I don't know, like I'm trying to think of like the cooking, like if you're away, I kind of do all the things. If I go away, you do all the things. It's not like, uh oh, mom's away. I guess we're ordering pizza. But I think where we got into this, just to finish that thought, where yeah, we yeah. got into this, con- this, uh, this, uh, you know, wrestling match over it. Well, we didn't get in a wrestling match, but <laughs> just, I'm tired. Dean's tired. <laughs> We got into this uh, wrestling match about <laughs> how I think it was like when I first, you know, there was this, there was this uh, point where you said to me, it's like, I just, I don't like to cook. Oh, we did and, get into And this, I was yeah. like, I looked at you just like, what are you talking about, lady? 
everyone likes to cook because I like to cook. But the, but I think the thing where we got into the pro, into this was into this uh, wrestling match was mm-hmm. that you know there's the i or the the um, idea that you know I I would like to live my life how I want and if I don't want to do something I don't have to do it mm-hmm. and but there's also the point of is that you're in a partnership with somebody yeah and you know I come home. I don't want to roll through McDonald's Ew, and get no, all that stuff. And it's so nice to come home and like, oh, look at the salad with the little mandarin oranges. How yeah. nice. Or, oh, my goodness, she put something in the Instapot. That's great. And it's it's not a matter of what you like or you don't like. Because I tell you, I don't like rolling out, rolling out of bed at 3.15 in the morning. Right. Driving into Toronto, getting on a jet. And hopefully not banging through a bunch of summer thunderstorms mm-hmm. all day, you know, and drinking tepid coffee. Well, it's it's I, to bring home the bacon, right? And, and similarly, like and, and I on look, your side, you don't you like you don't want to. Well, I was just gonna say, like oh, yeah, I look sorry. forward, I look forward to a time where, like, I love to have a beautiful clean kitchen at night, so I always clean that like top to bottom, and when I can just do that, and then like sit in my bed and read or go and watch a TV show where sometimes I then have to, depending on, you know, where things are at, if you're not going to be home tomorrow, which BS when, as we're recording this, he's not, I have some deadlines. So I'm going to be awake till like 12, 1am today working Mm -hmm. because in order to contribute to the family, you know, it's never just one thing. It's the combination of money, time, energy, and love. Mm -hmm. And like, how much are you filling each bucket each day? And sometimes, like, I kind of want to jump to the income side of things because I think you and I have had an interesting, like, relationship with money and careers. And I think mine's probably the one that has fluctuated the most. And I wanted to sort of tap into that because I think sometimes we think, like, as earners, as contributors to the family, like, you're coming in 50-50. But I don't think that's the case. I think sometimes it's, like, 90-10, you know? 40, 60, like you kind of, it ebbs and flows, there's peaks and valleys in where your life is at, where you're living, what your financial status is. And I think with that can come a lot of heavy feelings if you're not able to support your partner in how they're contributing. Does that make sense? That was a long-winded sentence. I'll give you an example. We were living in Vancouver. When we moved to Vancouver, Many of my listeners would know that like I had like zero dollars in my bank account because it was way back in the day and I didn't have like all the job experience, right? But I made a commitment. I said, I'm going to get that job in that building and I did and I worked my way up through an organization and ended up making like a really good salary at that time. Mm-hmm. And then we thought, let's do something wild and we'd always had a plan to move abroad and the opportunity presented itself and we went and let me just tell you, Seeing the term dependent on a visa, that was like a difficult moment. Have you ever seen that word? Do you remember that time? Yeah, I I do. It was a bit of a shift in terms of like, I remember sitting there in Malaysia kind of going like, what, what am I doing? Like we didn't have kids yet. I wasn't making any money. It was a very strange time to like navigate that space of what am I contributing to the family? Yeah. And I remember one thing that you did really well is that like we would go to restaurants and they would often present you with the bill, you know, traditional hetero kind of relationship. And you would kind of play like say something very light, but you go, oh, no, she handles all the money. 
And that seemed like so such a simple thing to say, but it was actually such a, it was such a nice feeling because it was like, you're right, I do. I do organize all the bills and I take care of all of that stuff at home. And that made me feel like I was contributing in some way. So, you know, and that sort of transitioned into then my role as a caretaker and we had our children overseas. And I think that there's a lot of people in that situation where, um, you know, a lot of women, although more and more men are leaving their jobs now. So once you start a family and then you end up staying home to be the primary caretaker while your partner becomes the primary earner, you know, and that's a really tricky time Mm -hmm. when um, those roles shift in the family. Well, it's a difficult thing for, I think, if you look at it as traditional men, breadwinners, earners, whatever we're calling Mm -hmm. ourselves this, this week, to come home and have a hard day. Not everybody's going to these secure, I don't know, is there such thing as a secure job anymore? Probably not. But, uh, you know, a difficult working situation or they, you know, do hard physical labor or they're in environments uh, that, you know, you got to be on your toes all the time. And to come home into your home where it's softer and if you were to see, you know, your wife sitting down watching television or something like that, I think, you know, I've experienced that before where to, I, I experienced it in Malaysia where I felt sometimes that, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends there because I worked all the time and the friends I did had were local people. And, uh, you know, I would come home and, and you would be friends with this very exotic South African person or from Britain or American ladies and you'd ha- you'd have things going on and I just sometimes felt like you know I'm banging it around on the equator the whole day and then and you're just like playing with cute babies <laughs> well it's true it feels but but it's easy to think to create wrong, that story there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. you know I think that at first I looked at my side of it and went you know what this is crap because it's some of these jobs you put out so much of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm talking, when I say so much of these jobs, I'm talking about everything from working at a, at a restaurant as a waiter or waitress to executives to, you know, people that create, creators like yourselves. We know mm-hmm. a lot of those. People are really putting out a lot of input. Uh, they're outputting a lot of, of, of uh, their energy and the money hasn't really gone up that much, you know, the, it didn't keep pace with inflation. And I mean, look at, we're living in million dollar homes that were once, you know, $50,000 homes. And uh, it's it's tough. It's tough out there. But the person that's staying at home, they also have this. Oh, I was there. I'll tell you. They also have duties and 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 they also have the right to enjoy their lives. Because that's what it's all about. You're not just supposed to work like a dog with no enjoyment until you leave this earth. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have and, to admit, like yeah. we are not without fault. You and I have no, had we, many, totally not many an argument about. I mean, you never want to start this the conversation about who's more tired in a family where you've got young children and the season of life is like there is never enough sleep there's never enough you know coffee there's no it's like it's a very it's a very demanding time physically and emotionally and financially and so i think 
what is so difficult in that time is to stop and not have all of this story in your head about how easy it is for the other partner. Because just like you were saying, you're like, well, I've been schlepping it all day in the heat and the humidity and like we've had delays and, you know, Tra- like it, I was gonna say traffic, bad weather and all this stuff. And meanwhile, I'm at home like my, you know, my tatas are sore because I've been breastfeeding these babies all day. I haven't slept more than two hours in three years. You know, like it's it's so easy to like go, oh my God, I need all of this stuff. Yeah. But I think what's kind of amazing if you do that little perspective switch, which PS is way easier now, five years out, mm-hmm. but like how much of a privilege was it that I was able to stay home with the kids because yeah. so many, I mean, we knew people there now is different because we were living amongst people from all over, but who were going back to work six weeks postpartum who, right. right? And, and all of a sudden your children, good or bad, I mean, life, this is the circumstances we're in are now in the care of someone else. And right. so what a privilege that I was able to do that. But yeah. even in that time, I really, really struggled with my role and like what I felt I wasn't doing enough of. Mm-hmm. Like it never felt, I, I put so much pressure on myself because I was an earner before we moved to mm-hmm. Malaysia and a big earner. I've always earned, worked hard. It's my like nature. And all of a sudden it was like, whoa, like can I can I buy myself that shirt? Like, is this our money? Like, it was a strange time, right? And it's like, yeah, yes, it is. Because I am contributing to this family in this many ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that it's, it. and then I think what's nice is as you come from that, like you kind of see, okay, I took on a little side project with this YouTube gig and it, that then grew into something amazing, but even now, don't you find like when you sort of and I would be curious to know if you if you tell people that your wife is a content creator, do they kind of look at you like, oh, like, is oh, it they have no idea what it is? What was kind of neat about that um, is like last summer you were able to quit your job and not feel panicked about how quickly you know, you were able to find another one because we knew you would, but it was nice to have, it felt really nice for me to be like, Hey, I'm the primary earner right now. And oh yeah. The, the, look what, like, well, that's, we, you that's know, I can provide thing. for the family. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the primary, that's the, the lovely thing about situations where you have, you know, dual income and you're both making pretty good money that you can do stuff like that. Cause you know, I was at a point with this job, but I was just, I was working nights all the time. It was zombie. It was land. too much. Did it for three years. And I was like, no, I'm done with this to go back to the very beginning about mm-hmm. the whole word breadwinner. It's, you know, and, and using that and, or using it against people or using it to get what you want. And, you know, that's not the case anymore. We talked about raising a family and, and doing that as a partnership and sharing the money and one person picks up the load when the other one needs it and vice versa. The whole family dynamic now is changed. Absolutely. And those moms or dads that are staying at home with the children, when you say, you know, you got to recognize that's important too. People go, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's, hold on here. Yeah. You wait till those kids are 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 and you will see what kind of job you did in the house 
that's not to say people that get childcare, you know, because mm-hmm. those people, you know. Uh, and family models are so different now. You yeah. have same-sex relationships. You have single parents by choice or through divorce. And there's dynamics all over. And it's yeah. like, it's time to switch, yeah, switch up how we think about this term being masculine or feminine. It's just like, hey, bread is good. <laughs> like, are you bringing some home? Because that's awesome. Right. Keep yeah. on. Yeah, keep on going. Don't stop. Support each other. Absolutely. And knowing like, you know, it's so interesting to me just looking back over the fifth, the last 15 and a bit years. <clears throat> it's like how it, that's it is in a true partnership. You're supporting one another and like it, it ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys. Sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less. Sometimes a part one of the partners earns more any other partner picks up, you know, the the work at home or whoever it is that they're supporting each mm-hmm. other. But I think I like the times are changing and the conversation is shifting. Yeah. It's amazing. Yep. Well, thanks for being part of my show today. Oh, you're welcome. It's good to talk about that stuff. It's interesting. When I, when you first brought up the subject, you know, you, you kind of go, uh, uh, I don't know, what's to talk about that? But it's almost even tricky it? as we're talking about it because you're yeah. like, oh, no, that's I, I'm being like, I'm you have to shift the way you even form sentences around it because it's like, it's so traditionally masculine, right? It is, yeah, it is. It's wild. All right, well, it's always a pleasure. Pleasure. All right, see you later. See ya. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by Country Harvest. In research, they found that some people's ideas of who a breadwinner is don't exactly match up with the realities of people's lives. So Country Harvest wondered, who is a breadwinner? Their recent campaign challenges stale stereotypes and encourages people to talk about all the ways there are to support a household. You can listen to real people's stories about what it means to be a breadwinner today at meetthebreadwinners.ca. So I just had this huge talk with Dean about our role, each of us in our family about like, you know, who's making the money Mm -hmm. and who's the earner and, and kind of really tiptoeing around this element of like gender and tradition and, you know, all of these labels that we place on ourselves. And so I'm really excited to speak to you today, Cynthia. Welcome. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about yourself. So how old are you? You know, do you have a partner? What's your job like? Like, give yeah. me a little bit. So I'm, I just turned 28. Um, I live in Toronto. I've been living in Toronto for the last 27 years of my life. Um, I have a partner. Um, so maybe I should start with, I am a Bangladeshi Canadian woman. He's a Cambodian Chinese Canadian, born and bred Toronto, has never stepped foot in Asia. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like more Asian. <laughs> You're so, I'm more Asian than him. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, and I grew up in a, a, a very loving Muslim household. Um, I will say that growing up, I had a very different experience than like peers around me in terms of, um, what was sort of allowed and not allowed. And I kind of even hate using the word allowed, although that's how I felt at the time, just felt like I couldn't do things and I was quite limited. Um, I think even till this day, like even my sister, who's like in her 30s, like I think she still has um, sort of expectations and like slash little restrictions placed on her simply being a woman, not only in a Muslim Bangladeshi like a culture, but also just being a woman in in a Canadian society. Absolutely. So, 
And I, you know, before we were recording, we were naturally getting to know one mm-hmm. another. And I was mentioning like, yeah, like I had my babies in a Muslim country. And it's, you know, it's almost like, to, it's it's almost like controversial to like, you kind of have to go, okay, yes, it was traditional, but like maybe not as traditional and conservative as other families. And I mean, but isn't that just upbringing also in general? Like what was strict in my house maybe was more lenient in another house. Yeah. And it's like, so I think totally, I hear what you're saying. And, but also, you know, there are just, you sort of feel like you have all of these people that you need to, it's not impress is the right word, but like, they want you want people to feel proud of you and what you're yeah. doing with your exactly. life and and I, I want to say that there's also like a different context being like a first generation Canadian. I will say that like obviously these gender norms do exist in in, in Bangladesh. Every time I've been there, there obviously has been um, some limitations of like what women can or cannot do. What I will say though is that I feel like a lot of women there have a lot more freedom in certain certain realms than here, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, feeling comfortable in a in a in a community, feeling welcomed and included. And I think with a lot of um, immigrant communities in in Canada, there is a sense of otherness that I feel like when you feel that otherness, you just want to like hold on to like your core values and just like make sure that like you can preserve your identity. So I think with that comes like, oh, no, I'm not going to I'm going to make sure my daughter's like she knows who she is and and she can, you know, uh, pass along these traditions and these um, very valuable, sacred ideals to like the next generation. So I just want to preserve that, preserve that, preserve that. And I feel like that sense of urgency isn't um, present in other like when you're in you're in your national country, like it's just a lot more relaxed. And so I feel like it's interesting because I have a lot of. Uh, family members or community members that like when they immigrate here, that's when it comes becomes a bit more restrictive or like that's when a lot of these limitations are placed. And I, for that reason, I don't like to blame my parents for it. I kind of, I see where it's coming from and I would rather, instead of blaming them, sort of change like the bigger picture, which is like making them feel more comfortable, making first generations immigrants feel more comfortable so that there's more of like a symbiotic reciprocal relationship between the community that they're engaging with and their own like cultural identity. That was the most educational <laughs> little thing I have ever heard. No, but seriously, I don't think I've ever heard anybody explain it in such a way. Like, and I, you know, you, you can't help but like, can I relate to this? Can I relate to this? This is going to seem bizarre as a relation, <laughs> but I'm going to bring it up. Do it. When I was in Malaysia, there was a naturally different foods that we mm-hmm. would eat, right? And I'm like, you know, wanting to try all the different things. And we did. But I find that like when you come from a, from away, right, from other, that yeah. kind of otherness, you also want to keep what makes sense and what feels good. Yeah. So like for breakfast, I would pay the extra money to buy my imported cereals because I really liked cereal with cold milk. Yeah. Which is a weird thing when you're there. Milk isn't sold in the fridge. It's yeah. sold in the box exactly. and it's on the shelf. And so it was so interesting because it was like... Um, when we, we, so we would, we would meet other people from other places and we would talk about things and naturally like, oh, how are you doing in this new place? And like, Mm -hmm. how are you settling in? And somehow the concept with food would always come up. And it was interesting because it was like, well, I want to feel less like, I don't want to feel as far away from home as I am. So I want to really hold on to the traditions Mm -hmm. that made sense. And I know it's just breakfast, but that was really weird because people would be having like the nasi goreng for breakfast and like all these yummy things and these hot soups and things. And I was like, that's just a little too far out there for me. I'll meet you there for lunch. But like, so I totally see what you're saying. Like if had you been born Mm -hmm. in Bangladesh, 
you it likely wouldn't have been this strong need for tradition because it just would have been as it was. Exactly. It would have been the default. Yeah. Right. So just you just go about your life and like. I want. I kind of wonder, like, what I would be like if I lived in 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 Bangladesh. Maybe I would have been more conservative, but I wouldn't have questioned it. It would have like sort of flowed naturally through me. And I wonder if I would have this current sense of self, like that, where I question everything and I want female empowerment. Um, and, I, and I wonder what I would I still have that back home. And like a lot of me thinks, yes, I still would. And I maybe in some ways I feel like I would feel more assertive and like power empowered. In, in in that community. I don't know. I could be wrong. It's interesting. I could be wrong. Well, I think hearing what you're saying and, um, and, and sort of what we were speaking about before we started recording, it's like, well, who do you feel like, do you feel a sense of responsibility to your parents for certain things in your life? And if so, what are those certain things? Like, what is it right now that you're kind of like, ah, I'm 28, I should be? Yeah. Like, what, what are those things? So I think to put it simply, I think I constantly feel like I'm a walking icon. So I represent not only like the Bangladeshi community, I represent my family, I represent the Muslim community, I represent women. Um, So anytime I do something right or wrong, it's almost like a painted picture of like whichever community suits best to whoever is judging. Right. So it it, it could be good or bad. And it just depends on the day, depends on what I'm doing and how they either see it or relate to it. Um, I always, it's a lot of weight, isn't it? It's heavy, <laughs> it's heavy. to carry that. It's heavy. And I, I, I quite often feel stuck. It's a tricky thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you are too different to fit mm-hmm. into one place, either just with your values and how you've been raised in this new country. And then if you were like, and just visually, maybe people are judging, yeah. like, because that's how cultures work at times and how people and, and we're changing and we're we're growing and learning and constantly educating yeah. others but it is a burden at times to have to constantly mm-hmm. be on like making sure mom and dad and do you have a mom and dad are still here yeah, and around yeah. yeah um i don't want to assume but it's like you know are mom and dad cool with these decisions i'm making um like do my friends understand why i have to like kind of check in with mom and dad or whatever do you know what i mean yeah. so tell me a little bit about like just Cynthia. I wanted to say that for the longest time, I always thought it was a compliment when people were like, oh, you're so different. You're not, you're such a cool Muslim girl. You're such a cool brown girl. And I, for the longest time, I was like, I am. And I felt um, really exotic and like unique. But then I sort of dissected that further. And I, I realized that what they were saying was that I'm not the stereotype they see on TV. And while I agree with that, I'm not the stereotype you see on TV. Thousands and millions of other people aren't those stereotypes either. So I guess when I when I think about that, like it, it it's it gets confusing all, all over again because I'm I constantly feel like, OK, I need to like do this and make sure that they know that. Yeah, I'm I'm Muslim. I'm Bengali and I play hockey. I'm Muslim and Bengali and I like parks and recreation. I'm Muslim and Bengali and I like to listen to indie music. It's just it exists. Like we exist. There's people like me out there. I'm not one of a kind at all. Totally. And it's, it's tricky because it's like, you can't, you can't just be like, Mm -hmm. you kind of have to always be proving something to someone or defending something, right. An element of your identity. So naturally today, you know, we're talking about things like, you know, primary earners Mm -hmm. and, and the term breadwinner and how that can really have like a masculine negative thing because like we were speaking people judge us based on our where we're from what we look like like our genders all these things so have you felt that at all like you had mentioned that your partner is at home right now so he 
is rehabilitating from yeah. an injury. Um, maybe you can tell me a little bit about that. Like how long yeah. has he been home? What's that been so like? A couple of years ago, he got uh, hit by a car, unfortunately, and um, sustained quite a few injuries and that sort of took him off work. And he's been rehabbing at home since um, we're in the middle of a lawsuit. There's, so, like, there's just a lot of complicated uh, elements to it. Um, so I'm the primary quote unquote breadwinner yeah. um, because he's not working right now. And then on top of that, we both collectively try to do like the household duties. A lot of the paperwork and stuff that comes along with um, rehabilitation and the lawsuit as well. So there's just there's just a lot on our plates right now. Um, but thinking about the term breadwinner, like I never really consider, even to this day, I don't consider myself a breadwinner because I, I, I think when we think about that term, it's, you're right, it's it's quite often masculine and only associated with money. Money is the sole contribution to the household. And I feel like a household has so many layers of contributions that are just as important, just as valuable as the income that's coming in. I feel like that deserves an applause because it's so <laughs> true. It's so true. It is. The energy, the love, the security, just the cleaning, the food preparation. Exactly. Like, when you come home from work, is there somebody there to nurture you and care for you? Like, there's so much happening, right? There Absolutely. is so much happening so in the household. Is your partner, um, does, is there disabilities? Like, is he mobile? Is he able to move around? Are you also, like, caring for him in that sense? Yeah. So it's been two years since. Um, rehabilitation has been progressing slowly but surely. Um, he is mobile. He has chronic pain, which keeps him up at night. And there's just a lot of like invisible things that sort of happen, um, which makes the whole thing a lot more frustrating because like from um, the outside look and picture of it, it seems like, well, he seems fine to me. And sure, he probably looks like an average person just like walking down the street. But like, it's hard for people to come in and see the little intricate challenges that we like face um, from time to time at night when he's like he's not sleeping and that affects what happens in the day and like how much I after I come home from work, what I have to sort of what sort of tasks I have to complete because he wasn't able to complete because his, of his chronic pain and his um, sort of schedule of like rehabbing and all that. So it's just a lot of invisible things that I think people don't get to see that often. And he contributes so much, like even with him being out of work and at home rehabbing, he still contributes to to making me feel better about mm -hmm. whatever stresses I'm going through. Us working through the lawsuit together, us cooking together. Him, he's an incredible like deal finder. So Love it. he's every single penny that sort of goes into purchasing something, like he's stretched it to the mile. And he's in, in, like amazing at it. I think it's actually like, a really good skill set that a lot of people lack. And he's somehow like incredibly, I don't know, just powerful with it. It's like it. a superpower. But if, and also, that's an amazing thing because that in itself is contributing when you know exactly. that there's just one income coming in right yeah. now or part of, you know, one and maybe part of another. Um, but you're right. It's like... That's and, and that's he is contributing, contributing. Absolutely. You nailed it, though, with the invisible illness, because it's coming back to just judgment. You know, mm -hmm. as I speak to you, I'm realizing there's so much pressure on us when we just feel this judgment from other people. Like, has it been challenging for your family to kind of support you in this season right now where your partner is maybe a little bit lower? Like just and no, yeah. I don't mean like low financial I just mean mm. like in a you know yeah. we, we were speaking about my husband and I like about partnership right mm -hmm. and like you come at it 
certain percentages. Exactly. It's not always 50-50, exactly. right? Sometimes you're 90, sometimes you're 10. And maybe right now you're doing 90-10, yeah. you know? And has that been hard for your family to support? I think it's been hard for um, not just family, but also just whoever's in our circle to sort of see. Like, And we're, I'll be honest, we're not always the most open sharing with everyone everything that's going on precisely precisely because I think people come in with their preconceived notions and like it just takes so much more energy to like break those down like we have enough on our plate I'm not here to reshape how you think about us like that's not my problem right exactly <laughs> well done you yeah. why exert energy that is not necessary exactly. like it's not going to change your life right it, it won't um so for the most part our my immediate family has been sort of understanding and not asking too many questions, which I prefer. Um, what I will say, though, like I think when things get nice and light, people feel like that's a nice opening to sort of come in and come in with the jabs. And that always confuses me because it almost makes it feel like, oh, he's having fun. He's smiling like he's fine. Like as though that's like you have to be miserable and sad and like crying to be like in pain. And I feel like there's there's a balance there. Like you can still be injured and like be rehabbing and like be going through a tough time, even though you're, you know, you're going for a walk, you're doing this thing that like uplifts your spirit and it makes you feel a bit better. Like that's okay. That's okay to do. And I feel like it's hard for people to like take that in. Like it seems so black and white. Like if he's sad and upset, he has to be at home and like not talking to anyone. And that's when he's deserving of care. Exactly. Almost like, right. But then if he's looking fine from the outside, Mm -hmm. because maybe he got an extra hour of sleep without the pain then he must go back to work and suck it up. Exactly. Such a strange, like it's, we got it backwards a little bit. Like, and I was just even thinking about it, like thinking about like the earning element of Mm -hmm. it. So like, okay, so if they know that your partner's on disability or rehabbing right now, then how did you take a vacation? Like how, how dare you find moments of enjoyment? So now do you have to put in your Instagram post? Like PS, he has a really superpower of like finding good deals. Like, no, you don't know anybody in explanation. Right. I wish I felt that way. And I wish I, that's what I did. <laughs> I know it's so much easier to say that, though. I know. But it's when we care about the people in our lives and like we want them to support us and to be always like coming from a place of love and, and feeling like that, that warmth. But it's not always that case. And as we feel even more pressure to like explain our situations. And I think what I keep forgetting or when I'm just so wrapped up in other people's thoughts, which I shouldn't be. I keep forgetting that he got hit by a car and he could have died. Like I could have none, none, none of these conversations could have could be taking place right now. Like none of this would have mattered. All these judgments wouldn't have mattered. Um, so I could have very easily gone that way. And I feel like when I when I think about that, I'm, I'm OK being happy. I'm OK, like for us taking time together and like not caring about what other people think. Like that Absolutely. doesn't matter. rewriting what it means to be like in a hetero kind of relationship like this is my role now this is his role now absolutely I find when I have those moments where like it's just like you want to take a deep breath and just like we're good like you can you know I feel like this is what I'm always talking about on my platforms is like you can be you know if we're just thinking about like I'm a business side of things like you can be ambitious you can have goals but you can also just be happy like right in this moment exactly and like and and express gratitude for the life that you have the gifts that you have doesn't mean there's no struggle also similarly if you are struggling and you're not happy about stuff it's okay to be miserable for a minute Um, do you find that with the pressures of all of that you're carrying you know just 
who isn't, right? A little bit of weight on our shoulders. Do you find ways to unwind just you? Like I know you said you have a very loving energy at home. Mm-hmm. You guys take vacations with the two of you, which is awesome. I dream of vacations with my partner. Oh my <laughs> gosh. One, one day. My kids one are getting older. Um, but do you do things just for you? Like do you take... I do. Guilt-free? Absolutely. Like for the most... I It'll start guilt-free. It totally will start right. guilt-free. And then... It's in, it's interesting because like when I, I do a lot of like solo things, I'll go to watch theater alone. I'll go watch movies alone. I'll go watch um, comedy alone, go for like a salon day or a spa day and like go eat by myself and it'll start off guilt free and I will be reluctant to post it or like share that. Like I won't invite other people's criticisms because I know there will be criticisms. Um yeah, it's always I, those like backhanded ones like, oh, that must be so nice. You're like, it is actually. I encourage you to go for lunch by yourself. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And it has a, rip- a positive ripple effect to your whoever's in your circle and probably more than just the day. Like it, I feel like the saying hurt people hurt people. Like on the other end, I feel like happy people make other people happy. <laughs> That's so good. It's so incredibly true. It's interesting. I was reading an article recently about finding things that we find like enjoyment in and and right now like culturally we want to do things where people are always going to give us a high five yeah like okay it's cool right now to be in i don't know to fanny packs i have a fanny pack sitting (laughs) on my thing what are they called belt purse let's use the right word belt purse (laughs) fanny pack it sounds weird um but like what if you were into like crocheting instead and you thought you found a lot of passion in crocheting instead of posting your ootd with your fanny pack right but yet we would be less inclined to post the photo of the crocheting because it's not as cool. It's not as socially accepted, you know. And I think it's so nice to just take moments for yourself that, like, you find pleasure in yeah. and your partner and, like, just making decisions where we're not necessarily considering what other people are going to decide how we should feel. Like, or even, like, if they make decisions and judge, it changes how we feel about it, right? Even when, like, I feel like even when you know they're wrong, Almost as though you rationally know that their statement is like saying the sky is purple, but it still gets to you and you spend so much energy like breaking it down silently alone because you know you're never going to confront them. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So you're just wasting a bunch of time thinking about these invisible things that really don't matter. Um, And I want to say that I think this really hurts women more than anything. I feel like we're constantly being judged and like because of that. We're constantly thinking about defenses and what we're going to do and protect on that very on that very day that you're doing whatever activity that you're kind of feeling guilty about, but you so much deserve. Absolutely. It's interesting. It, yeah, I don't see my husband like, I don't hang around a lot of men, to be honest. I got a five-year-old <laughs> boy in my life and I got a 50-year-old man in my life and a cute dad and stuff. But like, it's true. I don't, I don't see them like questioning mm-hmm. when they've decided to like, I don't know, take apart the lawnmower or something. They're not worried what Joe down the street's thinking. They're just doing what they need to do. Where like if I need to get a pedicure, I'm like, okay, am I deserving of said pedicure? Yeah. Like, have I earned this? Exactly. That's stupid. Like, yes. Ridiculous. Right? It's just wild. Well, I so appreciate your perspective on on these things. And it's it's nice to take me out of my bubble of like being the the work from home parent and hearing Mm -hmm. about, you know, I don't have experience caring for a partner who has had an injury like that. And like, what is that recovery like, you know? And so I so appreciate your take on that. Thank you for being here. Thanks. That was awesome. Yeah. So my next guest, kind of excited to share him with you. This is Marchin. Hello. 
Hello, hi, hello. Hi. Sorry to interrupt you. No, not at all. <laughs> and what I'm really excited about this part of the conversation is that you are a stay-at-home dad. I definitely am. Yeah. Um, yes. I, th- I like to say I'm just a parent, but yes, sure. If totally. You label me. Oh, that's awesome. You labeled me. Already. I'm Already. starting this off with that's labels. Okay. How dare I? So how old are your kids? Uh, I have a two and a half year old who's with me full time. And I have a 10 and a half year old who is with me full time in the summer, which I miss school so badly. Mm, right. It, it's fun entertaining a 10 and a half year old. Oh, my gosh. We were just and, and it's a girl, right? So it's your a eldest is a girl. Yes. And my youngest is a boy. Right. So we were just talking before recording. Like, so we're recording this midsummer naturally. You yes. guys are going to hear this in like seven days, and it's it's a whirlwind to get everybody managed. It's something. Like we're sitting in a room with no children. That's right. And this is the best <laughs> moment of my life. <laughs> Me too. Except I'm like, where's my coffee? I forgot to bring that. So I like that. So you just you're the parent. I'm I'm at home with them. I'm breakfast maker, waker upper, bed maker. Uh, you know. Everything at home while mom makes the money. Okay, so this is very interesting to start off on this foot because I, you know, I was wondering as I was on my way here, like, how, how does that, like, how do you navigate this space as like the dad at the park and the dad, but like, not just dad at the park, but like dad at the park in the day when, you know, that isn't as common or is it? Tell me. Um... Well, I feel like you have your own connotations there. Cause, right. Because <laughs> it's true. If you were to see me, I'm, you can't see me, but I'm like 6'1", 250, bearded, bald man with a deep voice. <laughs> uh, you see me at the park and you don't see a child around me, you're going to be like, what the hell are you doing here? Perhaps. Um, right. Per- perhaps. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I do the same thing to other people. I got to tell you, if there's a grown man sitting on a bench with no kids around him and he's staring at a playground... I don't know if it's the parent in me or the very traditional wrong upbringing in me, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but my mind goes places and I wonder what, what is he doing there? Um, I think I'm very comfortable in this role though. I always have been very, I like to say domestic. Um, I've always been great with kids. I Okay, this is all my personal mm-hmm. beliefs in myself. Mm-hmm. I've been great with kids. Um, so it was a very natural uh, role for me to take on. Um, and I'm having a blast. That's awesome. <laughs> An absolute blast. Well, it's funny because my husband and I are always having these conversations. Like I was telling you, he's a pilot. And so he's often away from the home. But his personality is so much so like a creature of home that I'm like, he's always like, when, when, so when am I going to be able to quit my job and just be home? I'm like, yeah, but then I work from home. Like that, it's going to be complicated. Like we can't both be home. Like this is a lot. Well, you're pretty big. You could buy another home. <laughs> right? You're good. Build one in you're the back. Good. Have you yeah. seen my backyard? It's I like a not. park. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you know? Good. <laughs> so, and I suppose where I'm coming from with like the dad at the park thing. So I'm thinking back when I had my kids, you know, I was living in Malaysia. I had a dependent stamp on my visa, which was a little hard for me to take because I've always been very... That's quite the label. I tell you. Wow. Yeah. Literally <laughs> dependent. Um, and it was a really hard place for me to be in being that I was all... I mean, I've been working since I was like 14 and... Not just working, but like really earning income Mm -hmm. that was on par with my partner. And it was like, oh, right. Okay, but we've decided to be here and like we're going to have the family. So we started our family there. Um, And I have to say, like the expat mom group was an expat mom group. There were no dads. That's right. It's like traditionally the men worked, right? So tell me, when you and your 
partner were starting your family? Is it wife, partner? Does well, it matter? I, I'm not married. Okay. Uh, we've been together 15 years. Oh, you're married pretty uh, much. So when you were, you know, thinking about starting your family, like, did you guys have a conversation? Like, who's going to work? Who's going to stay at home? Like, No, I was 23. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, my born. gosh. I'm yes. A, I'm, uh, I'm very, I look much older than I am, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had my, I had, we had our daughter, I was 23 years old. Um, I was kind of messing around with my life, a little bit of college here, wasn't working. And then I kind of, you know, my old school Polish dad is like, you have baby, you go work. And okay, that's what I did. I worked seven days a week for, I think, seven months when she was born. I didn't see her. Wow. Yeah. Um, it was rough. I worked construction during the week and then as a concierge on the weekends, like midnight to noon or noon to midnight, like I was dead. Like oh I could tell, I could tell, I could tell stories about driving a car and not knowing where I am, and not remembering passing like kilometers at a time. It, it's it was it's terrifying to think about. Um, it was the wrong move. Right. <laughs> Looking back now, I'm not any richer for it. I wouldn't have been any poorer if I didn't do it. All I did was I missed out on all the time with my daughter. Right. Um. So that 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 time the conversation was, um, we're just doing it. I was 23. My my wife was 24. We're just doing it. I'm just going to be the person that I know I am. Is going to stand up and you know accept what is. Yeah, and, and this is and traditionally the role that like uh, not even necessarily traditionally the role. Just I didn't want not that uh, being pregnant is a disability anyway, mm -hmm. but if my partner could doesn't didn't have to work, I was I think more fine with that than her having to work. But she did work. Right. She worked right up until. Like she didn't work anymore, and right? Then, and same thing with our second kid. So the conversation happened with my son, the second kid. I say like he's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> the second kid came around. The easy one. I find yeah. like the first one was like ah. Second I, one, you're like. Oh. Second one's been tough. Let really? me tell you. Oh, and I, I battle inside myself. So we're gonna go on no, a tangent. No, go ahead. It doesn't right. matter. It's and my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's right. You're the Conversations, boss. Conversations. <laughs> the sandwich. Yes, layered. Uh, sorry, I just clicked at the sandwich and country harvest. Oh my god! So did I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I, awesome. I sound dumb now. Perfect. So my, no, not at all. So I don't even my, think they thought of that. Go ahead. So, when we were pregnant with my son, we discussed it because daycare costs are extravagant. They are. Is that the right word? Extravagant? Huge? They're monstrous. They are. So if my wife wanted to go back to work after a year, I think it was like 1800 bucks a month to pawn him off on somebody else to watch my kid. And I still have to pick him up by six. Like <laughs> That's wild. It's so, um, And it's not even – it was very financial. Our situation, um, I think it was more of a, I don't know how to word it. It was an ease on my wife's brain that our son, our child would be home with me or oh, with yeah, one absolutely. of us because there would be no issues with like, what's he doing now? Who's he with? Did he eat enough? Because we have that trust in each other. Thankfully, if we mm -hmm. didn't, then this wouldn't be happening. Um, so that conversation happened and she brought up, why don't you stay home? And everybody thinks that I was like, eh, no, I don't. But I was all game from the beginning. I was like, yes, do it. I'm in. It's incredible. You, you, you climb your, your ladder at work and I'll, I'll do this for the because rest of my life. There is this misconception that women are the nurturers, right? Absolutely. And fun fact, my husband and I, like, we, he kind of teases me that like I'm not the nurturing one. Like I am. I'm a mother. I love But you my don't children. have to be. Right. We yeah. both That's are. the part that he's... Exactly. Right? Yes. <laughs> and like, it's just like, how is this difficult? Like, it's... So, Dean and I are often having these conversations, like, the roles, and we tease each other and like, I think I have this gender role today or whatever, you know? But I think you just... 
in a partnership, whether it's parenting, whether it's tackling the garden, whether it's groceries, like you just do what needs to be done. And that's what I'm hearing from your story. Like when you had your daughter, it was like, okay, well, this is what I have to do right now. And looking back, it's like, well, maybe I didn't have to go so full throttle in one direction, right? right? Like you both can be on equal footing. So you decided to stay home once your second child was born? Yes. Okay. And uh, my wife went back to work after a year. And uh, that was completely life-changing. I thought the first child was life-changing, but to stay at home, life-changing in a way that people don't usually expect me to say. It's not the, I'm used to being domestic. I'm used to doing the dishes and cooking dinner. I was always that person. I love to eat, so why not cook? Oh my God, like, exactly. I hate people that say, I love to eat, but you don't know how to cook anything. So, <laughs> so you just waste your money at restaurants. Like <laughs> My husband hears this. He's going to laugh. <laughs> I love to eat. I cook what needs to be cooked, right? I do all the basic things, but he does the extravagant. Like the other day he was making, I don't even know what it's called, but it's like the base for gravies and he made it in this huge batch. And I was like- He's got time. You've got older kids. That's, I get it. It's true. A little bit more time. And just he's like- Give me me two years. Truly, truly. All the little- Chicken stock weekly. (laughs) Yeah. Tinkering you get to do, right? As they get a little less involved and dependent on you. But I just think like, it's true. This element of like, you just are both- contributing we're both there you're both there and it's i think that's the biggest part of parenting in general of any role you just have to be there um show up like it's so easy to detach and i gotta go to work i'm too tired to play with you i gotta go do this oh i'm a long day at work like it's so easy I was thinking about like when I was living overseas and the women were like the ones at home and the men were working and it was very like Strange, but it's just kind of how everybody did it. But I also think that like this whole concept of women being the nurturers and and not allowing men to develop that side of themselves. But you also have to, it's not going to just happen on its own naturally on it. It it may not happen organically for people just to be like, I'm, you know, if your dad perhaps wasn't the most nurturing one. And, and so like, who are your role models? And I found that like with friends who didn't allow their partners to feel that. So like you were saying, when your partner went back to work and all of a sudden you've got two kids at home. I remember that when Dean went back to work and I was like, whoa, but once you get through that first part and you build that confidence in yourself that like, you've got this. That's, and that's exactly what it is. And, uh, I've said, I say this so often, I swear it's been recorded like 15 times that this is the first time I've been like, confident that this is what I am meant to do. I want to give you a high five ever, right now. Ever, ever in my life. i have uh, 33 years old, and I'll gladly say that um, I'm doing everything right right now for my kids. And uh, I may cry, which you won't see because this isn't recorded. I know. I'm video. like, don't make me cry. Like, um, I'm really going to cry. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's not. It is. I'm supposed to be the man around here. Don't even. I cry all the time. That's yeah. ridiculous. Um, I cry at parks because my, <laughs> my son makes me so proud, I'm telling you. <laughs> You know, on my podcast, I speak a lot about self-care and managing that when we are That's tough. giving a lot to yeah. others. So I was curious, like, that's, what do you do for yourself? Because you mentioned... That has been um, a battle. Right. A battle with myself. Um, it sound, I know it happens to moms. Moms talk about... I think it's easier for a woman to talk about um, how they're struggling with their ch- family life and children. I don't know why. Maybe because they could talk to other women about it, but yes. I don't. I don't really have another man where I could be like, "Dude, I'm tired of always being around kids," because they'll be like, "We'll go to work." Right. Um, I need to get out and do. The last couple of weeks, I've started working out a little bit here and there. Um, I love skipping. It's a weird thing, but I love it. It's amazing for yeah. you. 
It's the best cardio workout. I feel dead after five minutes skipping. So it's an amazing it's exercise. It's a great workout, uh, but it's not even the workout. I used to ride my bike a lot. I used to commute to work by bike. I did like 200 kilometers a week on my bike, and now I don't have that. And I didn't realize that that was like my yoga until it wasn't there anymore. That's so cliche, but uh, I needed that. I literally, I just, I started stripping my bike so I could sell the parts off for cash because that's just where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's sad that that happens, but I think I've also accepted it. Um, not that, you know, this is forever. I'm not doing anything for myself ever again. It's just that um, there are many priorities instead of just me or just my kids mm-hmm. or one kid individually. There's a whole bunch of other priorities. Our relationship, me and my wife, um, you know, our house needs to be clean. Our cats need to be fed. Um, so You mentioned laundry. Laundry. Like food. Oh, feeding everything. People. It's everything. Packing and, snacks, packing, yeah. being prepared for anything possible, going to the playground, make sure just the thoughts that, like, I want my daughter to be happy and my son to be happy. And at the same time, like, which it's is a dream, which that's a dream that it. And uh, I have great kids. I have a great 10 year old. She's incredible. She's absolutely incredible. She needs to hear it more from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the self-care part, that's also a priority, but it just gets put on the back burner. And it's a season, right? Like, you know, I speak about often, you know, Jack, my son started mm-hmm. JK last year. And I remember like I didn't want that season of him being home to stop. But the behind the scenes in order for me to do what I do means like he would go to bed and then I would be like, okay, I had that coffee at seven. You know, we got this. And I would then go sit at my computer until like 12 and then, you know, up again at whatever time. And then, okay, doing the mom thing in the day and And the parenting. What's the mom thing? Right. As I said that, I just caught myself. Like I saw. You know what? But it's not, it's not a bad thing. I don't think that, uh saying that it's the mom thing or the dad thing is a bad thing. It's just your thing. Right. And you're a mom. Right. So it, it, and it's funny, but I love to be challenged on how I think about things because that's what I, because it's like even, you know, when I speak about relationships, I say my partner, I say that, you know. It, cause are you married, I, by the way? I am, oh, yeah. Okay. So when, but when I speak to others, not everybody is going to be married in a traditional sense. Yes. And so I don't want to exclude people. I, I still like the term partner. Me too. Because uh, doesn't it just, it means like 50-50 in my brain. I see it as like we're. Well, not even 50-50. It's just that together you're 100. Yes. So yes. Because, because, yes. because very many days I'm a 10 and oh. she's 90. Okay. That just needs a little. <laughs> because I, I just gets me overwhelmed because it's true. It yeah, is because it's, it's not 50 No. You're going to have even like seasons, you Absolutely. know, like at the beginning of this episode, my husband and I are talking about when I was the stay at home parent and how hard that was for me. Like yeah. I would wake up in the morning and be like, I'm so tired. Can we just talk about how tired I am for a second? And was he always like, I know? No. no. Sometimes he's like, dude, I'm tired. That's I right. just worked 15 hours. And it's like hours. the worst thing to say, right? <gasps> it's the worst. Oh, You do not and have it, the who's more well, tired argument. It, it, was a, it was a very, but but then at the same time, you understand that he's also tired. Absolutely. And uh, it was funny. I think it was a more difficult change for my partner mm. as her going back to work and her coming home from work saying, I'm so tired. And I'd be like, oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> Tell me more. Are, are you tired now? <laughs> you also got to think when you're working, you are doing the parenting thing. It's true. You're providing, right? Because you're pro- because uh, in whether you're providing at home with love and you know stability, always being there, or financially, you're providing. Because um, you know, being a being a man, like I can say, that for some reason that accent comes out when I say being a man. Because it just seems I get silly southern. to I say get it, southern. right? I get yeah. southern. <laughs> I'm a man. Um, I. People do see, like, I should be making the money. I get comments every day from, like, acquaintances that are neighbors that are older um, men that just say, you know, you know, somebody's got to be working. Thankfully, your wife is. I'm like, yeah, but 
there's no way you would say that comment if I was working and my wife wasn't for 25 years at a time. If she didn't have a job, if we were struggling, if we were lived in a studio apartment with three kids, it'd be fine because I was working. Mm-hmm. So tell me, how do you how do you handle those situations? Honestly, I've really matured. I'm so happy with myself. I used to get angry. Mm-hmm. Um, but internally, which is the worst, because then you take it out on your kids. <laughs> it's true. The <laughs> people you care people for the close, most. The people yeah. that are closest, you take it out on them. Um, I just don't associate with those people. Um, I pull away. I'll say some smart-ass remark, because I'm very witty. I love um, people confident. who are witty and quick. Because sometimes yeah. it's nice just to, like... Just a. My mother-in-law told me something once, and I'll never forget it. And she was like, you know, obviously gauge your audience but like call out behavior that's unacceptable in a way that is not rude necessarily that's right just like that's unacceptable dude like yeah it has to be underhanded but a little bit still on the table yeah (laughs) you know just and but i love that you're you know you're aware enough to realize that like oh like you said maybe they're a little older like their generation didn't necessarily have the privilege that was a big learning curve for me because i had to understand that about my parents Right. My my parents are both in their mid sixties from Poland, very traditional. Uh, my my mother started had like a part time job a couple of years ago for the first time, or maybe ten years ago. Time flies. Oh, really <laughs> my kids does. ten. Like yeah, truly. <laughs> um, so I understand where they're coming from, but I also expect them to make up their own mind about things. So I understand your upbringing, but now you understand that you're living in the twenty first century now. And things are different than when you were born and being brought up by your father who worked all the time and your mother who was home all the time. It's different. It's very different. Why would I go to work if my wife makes more money? Truly. Why, like that doesn't make any sense if, if we have the option. Like why would I be the one just because that's what you're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to do a lot of things. I ain't doing them. Um, I'm often trying to like, you know, educate people, like you were saying, like, try not to get mad at their ignorance of a situation and like, let me just educate you. Like you were saying, you know, why would I go to work if my wife makes more money? Like, if it was between us two and yeah. why would she stay home? Like, exactly. This is better for us over in the big picture. This everything's is good better. Math. Like, <laughs> <laughs> carry the one, it's better. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I'm curious, like, a lot of women will reach out to me and say, I need. I need things, whether it's time or attention or I don't know, like date night. Like, do you have those conversations with your partner as well? Do you get out on dates? No. <laughs> um, Appreciate your we, honesty. Um, we actually just went on our first date, and I'm going to say three years. We don't do very many date nights. I think we will eventually. I'm a great date. I mean, say. it's and worked sh- out for 15 years. Seriously? So like, well, worked out. <laughs> We've made it work. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Again, going back to the partner thing, you got it doesn't just work out. That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. That's a dream. Mm-hmm. That is a complete faulty dream. You have to make it work. There's always going to be hiccups. And like, can you imagine, like I said, we're both sometimes 50-50, sometimes 90-10, but what if we're both 0-0? Zero, zero? Because that does happen. And what then? That's when, you, that's when the work comes in. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. When it really gets real. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... Sometimes when it rains, it pours, right? Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and to keep choosing each other and choosing that path the yeah. plan you it know it's a choice you absolutely uh, it's easy again it's easy to quit it's easy to stop it's easy to uh, you know have a bigger ego and be like screw this i'm done it's easier i personally I, I might offend some people that have chosen to you know divorce or whatever but that that's their journey not mine well i so appreciate your perspective i have to admit i have not had many men on my podcast except for one 
it's uh, I stand out. No, <laughs> no, but really, and I, I'm going to express some vulnerability, and likely the reason why is I don't know where we're going to connect. Do you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Like, do you get what I do on a regular basis? Like, yes, you work, I work. Cool. Have you been the parent at home? I'm not sure. Like, are we coming from the same space? And it's it's been a really tricky spot. It's a very tricky spot. It is. Because it could go completely haywire. I find that I'm 33, so I think I'm, uh, I don't know, I'm part of the new generation where yeah. men are allowed to talk about something other than sex, drinking, and whatever they're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, I millennials. Spend, aren't we like a little older are we millennial? Mi- no, we're not millennials. We're something else. I think we're, we're, Gen y, no, we're Gen like X, old or? millennials, literally. Yeah, uh, I know. I think it's a uh, confidence in yourself. Mm-hmm. I think you need to find it in whatever you're doing. I found it in staying at home with my kid. Um, I'm not ashamed of what I'm doing, not in the least bit. Are you kidding me? That that would be a mess to deal with in my own head. If no, I, if I'm kidding. ashamed of what I'm doing, but I still continue to do it, I would ruin my kids. They sense it. Absolutely, they're like puppies. So I'm curious before we wrap it up here, like, do you guys have a long term plan for you to be home? What's, could you kind well, of have long, an idea? Long term? Well, until he starts school cool. next September. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually, I'm heavily considering not going back to to work right away, mm-hmm. possibly going to school. Right getting, on. Getting, uh, it's going to sound really, not cliche, but get my some ECE paperwork and maybe work with kids. You should um, absolutely. If um, that's where your passion is. I, like, honestly, you know? I've growing up, I remember being like 14, 15 and like always playing with kids and like neighbors, kids and like babysitting here and there. But like with the parents, like being a mommy's helper. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, I want to finally do something that I want to do instead of I'm, I'm very good at. I just sound arrogant all the time. I'm very good at anything I choose to do because I don't want I have uh, integrity. I don't want it. Is that the word? I always want to do a good job. Absolutely. I think that's integrity, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I'm riding a bike, I want to be the best at it. That's been my mentality. Maybe that's a middle child syndrome thing. I'm not sure. It could be. Yeah, I'm I'll an t- eldest child. I'm, I, I just, I, I think sa- it's a personality I, I trait. I sensed it on you the Did moment you? I walked in. <laughs> it's like when you find your calling, like if, if if this is the kind of, if you're if you're good with kids, well, first of all, children need male role models like Right. crazy right. and you know what you know I have a friend who is a teacher and he works with I believe he works with like special mm-hmm. the special education program yep. and I remember him telling me like when he meets you know his peers they're like well you look like too cool to be working with kids or you're too macho and it's like what like that makes no sense I've had this talk with so many people and uh, everybody in the education field says I would be a great fit uh, the field needs more men this and this but then you talk to like parents and it's a great idea until you're that man in that situation. And then it's like, why is that man working in this daycare? Interesting. And, it, and I think it's not even the fact that I would be a man. I'm a very traditionally masculine looking man. I'm you know, over six feet, heavy set, bearded, bald, kind of angry looking if you don't know me. I have a great smile though, no? <laughs> <laughs> but I love, it's, it's creepy. No. I love working with kids. I love playing with kids. I love teaching them. I, I'm so proud of myself for how well behaved my son is. That's all me. That's that. That's been probably the hardest thing for me to give myself credit, because uh, you know everybody's your kid's so cute. He's so polite. He's that's me, girl. Yeah, that that doesn't just happen. <laughs> that doesn't just happen. No. My parents think it does. Mm. I'm so thankful for my grandkids. Well, why do you think they're like that? Your yeah. actual kids. <laughs> Truly, your actual kids. Um, so I think I really want to get into that field, whether it's in the school board level or somewhere different. There's so many avenues you can take. Truly, um, and I think I would love it. And people say, you know, you don't make that much money there. I'm like, I'm making zero right now. 
Mm-hmm. So, and uh, you know what? Start to open your mindset, man. Think about it. abundance, and I feel like when your job, and I always say like when you, you know, and everybody knows it to be true when it doesn't feel like work, but like if you're passionate about something. It's like magnetic, man. It's that much easier. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. You as well. Pleasure so meeting awesome. you. So awesome. So awesome. And uh, it just needs to be more people like you. There are people like you Don't out there. Don't say that. See, so you can't do that. Now you're putting My pressure labels. on me. But pressure. I just think talking about it, I, celebrating. I, I, I think that's what needs to happen. I think what yeah. needs to happen is uh, men need to step out of their egos. Mm-hmm. And they just need to be dads. If you're a dad, just be a dad. And there's take pride in it. Take pride in it. Don't be, you know, offended. Like, like I had my fingernails painted up until recently. Mm-hmm. And people were like, why did you paint? Kids, like kids are saying, why did you paint your nails? And I understand because their upbringing is different than mm-hmm. the way I'm bringing up my kids. And you, and you can't educate people. I think you could only inform them and then they make their own decisions. Yeah, it's like pause and back up. and That's just it. like Because you can't. You can't change people's minds. You're right. It's, uh, I take it as far as it's just like terrorism. It starts at home. And uh, you, whatever you feel at home, whatever you get at home, the information you get at home, that's what you're going to go out into the world with. Absolutely. And it's unfortunate some of it is backwards, bass backwards. Well, we're lucky that we're fight the good fight. You know what I mean? Fight the good fight. Hopefully, you'll get get us somewhere. It's awesome. Well, thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you. And that's a wrap on today's episode. I so appreciate all of the different perspectives that were shared throughout this episode. You know, whether it's Dean, my life partner, or my guest and new friend, Cynthia, and also fellow new friend, Marchin. It's just been so interesting to hear, you know, different angles of life when you take yourself out of the bubble that you've been living in. Because, you know, I deal with the same things day to day, pretty much. Um, And it's just interesting to hear people's stories and where they're coming from and the challenges that they deal with on the regular and also the wins, you know. So a big thanks to Country Harvest for sponsoring this episode. I so appreciate each and every one of you listening. And I will catch you in the next episode. (laughs) 